Morning. Morning. The few, the proud, the brave, right? <laughs> sure, I'm glad we didn't have this last week. That, uh, that tailgating would have been a lot more challenging, but uh, good to be here. Hope you guys uh, are glad to be here. I, w- I was happy for yesterday, though, so that was kind of a nice break. Got us prepared for today. Hey, I want us to start out. I want you to do something. Uh, take a look at the person sitting right next to you, if you have somebody sitting next to you. Okay. Now take a look at the people sitting across the room from you. Are you glad you sat where you did? <laughs> just, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, uh, if you're at home, you can join us in this too. Think about the people that live next to you, around you in your neighborhood. Think about the people now that might live like completely across the United States or around the world, around the globe. I want to ask you this question. Why is it that some people tend to be closer? In fact, we tend to let certain people closer to us while we keep others at more of a distance. Why is that? Usually, I think we'd say that it's that we have something in common with them, right? A lot of times, like if you think about who clumps together, well, people who share the same customs, the same languages, the same likes and dislikes. If you think about you go to a soccer field on a Saturday afternoon, who's gathered there? All the people that share having their kids playing in the soccer game, right? If, if you think about who works in a, for a certain company, it's those people that typically share the same interests or the same kind of skills. We gather at church in churches because we share the same beliefs. We share the same kind of outlook on, on life and on God. Now, I want you to, though, take another look around this room, okay? Take another look. Think about the people that actually live in your neighborhood, The people that are close to you, right? Think about that. They're very different, though, as well. There's a lot of uh, diversity that's there. You know, I I have been pastoring churches for a long time. And one of the things that amazes me, when the church is actually doing well, when, when you have this group of people that they're coming together as a community and they're starting to show the love of God and he's bringing people in. You look out over that group of people and what honestly comes to mind, I think, and I just wonder at it, it's like who other than Jesus could have brought together this bunch, right? Right? Who other than Jesus sometimes could have brought together such a, um, such a, 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 just a diverse group of people, age diverse, ethnically diverse, often culturally diverse, educationally diverse, politically diverse, interest diverse, educationally diverse. Who other than Jesus could have brought this group together? You know, we are here in church not because we have so much in common. Do we hear that? Not because these are the people that like all the things that we do. Not because these are the people that have, think along every line, every line of every thought and everything that's going out in their world. Not because they think everything the same as we do. That's not why we gather together at church. We gather here in church because we are those who Jesus has called to gather around him and to be a part of his continued work as he shares his heart and his mission in this world, in this age, in this generation. Amen? So I want you to, again, look around this this room. Yeah, there are some similarities, but there are a lot of differences, and that's okay because the one thing that matters, 
The most important thing that matters is that we are those who have been called and gathered around Jesus to do the work he calls us to. That is the community of the church. In Acts 2, 37 to 47, this is a passage that talks about when the spirit of God first gathered that first church, first launched the church into their calling and into their ministry. And he had taken this incredibly diverse group of people and brought them together to make, him, to make them into a movement. Now, if you would stand with me, let's get our hearts ready as we hear from God, as we look at this passage, Acts 2, 37 through 47. We're gonna be picking up this story after a lot has already happened. The spirit of God has fallen on, there were these, this gathering of about 120 of Jesus' followers. They had been praying together and the spirit of God fell on them. Some miraculous stuff happened. You can read about that in the first part of this chapter, of chapter two. But we're picking up after all that. Peter has just given this message to explain to people what is going on and how it relates to Jesus. And when he's done, this is what happens. When they heard what Peter said, they were pierced to the heart. And they asked him and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent, which just means turn back, turn back to God. And let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this corrupted, this twisted generation." So then those who had received the word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 people to their numbers, from 120 to 3,120. That's a jump. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing all that they had with everyone as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved." You guys, God is in the saving and in the gathering business. He is. He he not only saves us individually, but he brings us together and gathers us together. But he doesn't do it by forcing. He doesn't insist and, and, and press this on us. Instead, he invites us in. He invites us to join with those who have come together around Jesus. Amen? He invites us into the work that he is doing. Today, the the message is our final message in this series on what it means to be a compassionate Christian community. We're going to be looking at that community part. Today's message is titled, Community Brought In and Bought In. Father, this morning, uh, open our hearts, open our ears uh, to hear your spirit. Your spirit has been with us since that day that he he, he first came, he was first poured out. He has been the life of the church. He has been the one who's, who's, um, who has propelled us, has compelled us when we hear that call. 
We, we hear the call of Jesus to be a part of this thing, this, this new life that he's offered, but also this, this new work that he is doing. And, and Father, um, we just pray that our hearts this morning would be open to hear his voice again. That this would be a place of refreshing, a place of filling, a place of challenge. But not, not to somehow um, get away from it all. But instead, a place that we would be filled up so that we could dive back into it. Dive back into that work that you have called us to, to do. That Dive back into that community and that world where you've called us to be that compassionate Christian community. So that others might see your heart, might see your son, might see the power of your spirit. So Father, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. So over the course of my life, uh, we moved around quite a bit. My dad was a uh, pastor of music. And so that meant that we'd go from church to church as, as they had need or as uh, what he um, brought kind of uh, worked for that place, was a fit for that place. And so we moved around a bit. Um, after I graduated from college, I went to seminary. And so I got into uh, ministry as well. I was a pastor of various sorts. And so I gave that lovely gift to my kids as well. We moved around quite a bit. I don't know that they were all that uh, happy about it sometimes, but that was our life. And um, all of this change meant a couple of things that we were brought in to different communities, right? Now it had, and some of you guys know exactly what that's like. You know that your job, your career has moved you to different places. And so your career actually brings you in to different places. And so uh, being brought in is one thing, but there is a vast difference between being brought in to a community and then becoming bought in to that community, right? There's some communities you come into and you're like, I'm not sure this is going to work. You're not bought in. There's some communities that, that you're thinking, you know, I might not be here very long. You kind of hold them at, at, at arm's distance. But I remember early on, I would throw myself into, you know, building relationships, finding new friends. I figured, might as well make the best of it. This is kind of exciting. New places, new communities. And what that means is that you, you might, yeah, you, you, and I would, I'd find new friends, but it could also set you up that kind of optimistic enthusiasm that everybody wants to be your friend can also kind of set you up for, for disaster at times, can set you up to be taken advantage of. I remember uh, one of the first moves that we made when I was a kid was uh, halfway through my first year of middle school. That's a great time to be transitioning. We, we went from... We went from Wisconsin to California. That is, a, that is a rough transition in middle school. I just want to tell you. We got out there, and I, I dove in trying to make friends. You know, here's this rural, you know, Wisconsin boy trying to make it with this, this very kind of um, just cosmopolitan world of, of California. And uh, I'd have these people that came up, and they acted like they wanted to be my friend, too. And part of that was they acted like they wanted to be my friend, and then immediately they found themselves short on money, and they wanted to borrow some cash from me as their new friend. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I've done this before. I've lent friends money. But then when I would want to borrow cash from them or get that money back, I found that they would join with their real friends, and they'd just kind of laugh at me. And I'm going, that didn't work so well. There's about $15, $20 that made its way out of my pockets and into theirs before I realized, you know what? I think there's more to this than uh, maybe meets the eye. 
And you become aware of that and you become a little, you know, a little wary of that as you make these transitions from that point on. It gets maybe harder and harder, but also there were those that I connected with and I did become friends with. And as I, I, I built on these, just a shared kind of um, uh, just enjoyment of being together and of sharing these kind of projects and things in front of us, same interest, values, same sense of humor, you find that not only had you been brought into this community, but through those relationships, you began to also get bought into that community, right? You guys know how this works. You guys have probably been through this process before. What's interesting is that in the history of the church, especially at the opening at this that we read about in Acts, at this, this launching of the church, the people of God were gathered into this new community. They were a very different group of people. It's not, again, it's not the group of people you look out and say, I would put them together naturally. They had probably more in contrast than they did in common. I mean, you think about Jesus' first disciples. You had blue-collar workers, and you also had aristocrats. You had those that were zealously opposed to the Roman Empire, and you had the collaborators that were taking taxes for them. You had those who were, were fiery enthusiasts, and you had those who were questioning skeptics. You had those who were boisterous in their, in their personalities, and those who were quiet and subdued. You had these very huge, just very different people that were gathered together and God and Jesus said this is going to be my core group and on them I'm going to build my church I'm going to build this new community and he went from there you know in the story that we read from the book of Acts that we read in chapter 2 you had this group gathered in Jerusalem and it said they came from all over the known world they didn't share the same language they didn't share the the same customs and yet what they did share, they shared this, this commitment to God, the God of Israel, and the commitment to this commandment he had given that they would be there to celebrate this festival called Pentecost. And so they were there in Jerusalem. But then during this festival, all of a sudden, God had kind of changed things up a bit. And instead of just going through what they remembered as a child, this, this custom being, all of a sudden, God poured out his spirit like he had promised that he would do centuries ago, before, and he poured out his spirit, and all of a sudden these, these um, just amazing new things, these, these miraculous things started happening. And he began to birth this thing called the church that would be gathered not around the customs and the culture of Israel, but instead be gathered around the person of Jesus Christ. And this new covenant, rather than the covenant that was made with Israel, it was this new covenant that he said that he was making with all people. And he began to not only gather those who were, who were different in their Jewishness, but he began reaching out beyond those borders. He began to gather in also those who were half-Jew Samaritans, those who were non-Jew Gentiles, those who were, those who were um, lapsed to Jews from all over the region that for whatever reason had left their faith. He began to gather just flat out pagans and outcasts and, and those on the fringes of society. And he began to, who, to gather those in and he's been doing that for 2,000 years. And, and so as you looked around this room, this is what we ended up with, right? This is where we are now. As God continued that process of bringing people in. So we look around and again I just, 
I, I, I'm amazed. I say, what other than Jesus? What other than the very power of God could have brought together a group like that? A gathering like that who would be single-minded, who would be unified in their desire to carry out the heart and make known the love of God in this world. God brought in, brought in many, but the story doesn't end there, does it? It doesn't stop there because 3,000 were brought in after that first that first message that, that Peter gave. Later, Peter would stand up and he'd give a, another message. And then 5,000 are brought in after that message. And then it says daily they're added to their numbers. And all of this in the midst of this, this opposition by the, by the local authorities and by the religious officials. And they, would, they would jail some of them and they would, they would dis, disperse their meetings. They'd threaten them with their lives. They'd even put some of them to death. But it says God kept bringing them in. You know, it's amazing to me as I hear some of uh, the stories, some of your stories about how you were brought in, how we were brought into this uh, close to Jesus, how we were brought to that place where we were gathered around him and became one of those that uh, that were his own, gathered as God's family. It's not always stories about how, how easy it became, how God just made this easy road in front of me. How he, he took away all the problems in my life. That, that's not usually the story about how God brings us in, is it? Instead, it's that somehow in the midst of some of the worst circumstances of our life, he still breaks in with his word, breaks in with his presence, and lets us know, really meets kind of that deepest desire we have, answers the deepest question we have. Of is there a God and does he really, does he, does, not just does he love me from a distance, does he care about me, does he love me up close, is he really there with me, does he like me? <laughs> he answers that question that somehow, and, and God instead, he, he brings us in, he draws us in to this relationship with himself. This relationship with his son, Jesus. He doesn't just make our life nice. No, life, life tends to be rough. doesn't matter where we are, but it doesn't matter what stage we're in. There's always challenges. That come. This is a broken world. We're broken people, brokenness. It just kind of shows up, like it or not. But in the midst of that, God breaks in, and he, then he brings us in. And he makes Jesus known to us and we enter that relationship and then he fills us with that constant presence and in that, that presence of his Holy Spirit, we find this this abiding sense of peace and of hope that we hadn't had before. So God brings us in. But I would say that probably that's not the end of your story either, is it? That wasn't the end of the story of God just bringing us in. That wasn't the end of the story of the church. That's not the end of our personal story. You know, when we read the next part of the story that's in the book of Acts, it says that the way you could tell that people had been brought in to this relationship with Jesus. I want you to hear this. The way that you could tell that people had been brought in 
brought into this relationship, brought into this friendship, brought in close to God, was that they became those who were bought in to what God was doing. They jumped in fully into what God was doing. You could tell that they saw God because of how they responded to him with their lives. The church is not just those who have been brought in. The church is those who have been brought in and you can tell they have been because then they've bought in to what God is calling them to be and to do. Look at the things these early Christians began to do. They started devoting themselves. The language that we've been using is anchoring ourselves to, says the apostles teaching, the story of Jesus. They devoted themselves to that. They gave their life to it. The second thing, they jumped in with both feet to this thing called fellowship. Now we're going to look in a second what fellowship is talking about. It says that they gave themselves to the breaking of bread, which we're going to see has both spiritual connotations, but also everyday meaning. And they immersed themselves in prayer. And you think about why, you know, prayer, that just seems like, well, of course, prayer. But prayer, prayer is, they were praying when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They remember the life of Jesus. Jesus would pray every morning before he would get going. He had taught them to pray. And so they immersed themselves, devoted themselves to this conversation that he had taught them. How to just talk with and listen to God. And how to just that to be this this foundational part of your life. They had bought in. They bought into God's word. They bought into this. So first they they bought into God's word, right? They bought into the story. They anchored into this story. Now we've been talking about that quite a bit, so I'm not going to dig into that. But what does it mean to to be brought into God's story? Well, we have a heart to buy into and to anchor ourselves into God's word. Second, though, it says that everyone, you look at this passage, it says everyone was feeling a sense of awe because of the wonders and signs. So the healings and the miracles that the apostles were doing. But then... A lot of us miss the second piece of this because it says not only were they in awe because of the wonder and signs that were happening from the apostles, but also because all of those who believed were together and they had all things in common and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing what they had with everyone as anyone might have need. This is what the Bible calls fellowship, okay? Fellowship, it comes from a a Greek word, uh, Greek is the, what the, the New Testament was originally written in. A Greek word, koinonia. Now, koinonia, um, we tend to think of fellowship as we, we fellowship when we're hanging out with people that, that, have, that are just like us, right? So I hang out and I have a cup of coffee with somebody that likes talking about the game and we talk about the game. That's fellowship. I hang around with those families and we start having fellowship when I realize, hey, my kids and your kids are on the same soccer team. My kids and your kids are in the same classroom. Hey, you and I are taking the same class, right? That's fellowship. We start finding this commonality. We think that's what fellowship's about. Fellowship is when we have the same political views. It's when we have the same taste in food. That's what fellowship is. But, but here in, in the book of Acts, it says, no, you know what fellowship was? Fellowship is when people 
started bringing whatever they had and making it common with others. Koinonia is related to another word that's used in this passage, koinos. You can hear the similarity. Koinonia, koinos, where it says that they had everything in common. They had everything koinos in common. And what it means is that they started sharing all that they had. Fellowship is not. Fellowship is not. For us to buy, buy into fellowship is not that we show up to church and we look for people that are just like us so that we can share what we already have in common. That's, and we can determine whether this is the group of people that we want to hang out with. Fellowship instead is when we come with all that we have and we gather around Jesus And then we start seeing his heart and we start saying, you know what? I need to use whatever I have to help those others who are here gathered around Jesus in whatever they need. That's fellowship. It's that we would have this common life that is available to others. And and get this. So it says, the people were in awe because obviously the miracles, but they were also in awe because when we sacrificially give up our stuff and we give it to others, trusting that God will fill in behind us if we have need, that amazes people. That's what causes people to be in awe. We think that signs and wonders are pretty cool. We think that, you know, if Pastor Van, if you could go out one day and you could just walk on the waters of Narragansett Bay, right? People would go, how can I deny the power of God? We think that if we could get the elders to go down in the parking lot and feed 5,000 people with a couple loaves and a few fish, right? Then people would just be blown away and want to know who Jesus was. But do you know what Jesus said about what's going to get people's attention? He said, what is going to get their attention is when we start, we start sharing what we have. In John 17, he says that if we would love each other like he loved us, if we start loving like Jesus loved us, giving sacrificially all that we have to meet the needs of someone else solely for their benefit, if we would start loving each other like that, Committing ourselves to the person and the the mission of Jesus, of love and sacrifice, that would be the thing that convinces a skeptical world that Jesus, this must not just, just, he didn't just merely come out of this world, that something bigger is at work here. Do Do you guys hear what that's saying? We can all be a part of that. How many of you guys feel like right now, if you needed to, you could pray over somebody, you could just lay your hands on them and they'd be healed? You know, anybody? Anybody that confident today? Anybody? No? How many of you guys feel, though, that you probably could take out of something that you had and give it to someone that had a need in that area? How many of you guys feel like you could do something like that? God says that's what changes the world. That's something all of us can get into. Now, some of us, he's going to call us at times. He's going to say, just, just lay your hands and pray for this person. And he's going to heal them. God, that's God's power. But he says, the place that his power comes into that's easily accessible, that blows people away as if we'd start loving each other in very practical and very real life ways. Koinonia. 
and they gave themselves out of there. They had been brought into the, the love and the gift and the grace and the overwhelming, just abundance of God. And so they said, you know what? I'm gonna, I have bought into the idea that God wants me to share what I have with others as well. It goes on, it says, it says these believers continued in one mindset in the temple, mainly because the temple courts were the only thing big enough to contain all those who had been brought in because of they had seen all those people testifying through how they had bought in, right? But they were also going from house to house in smaller gatherings, breaking bread together. So breaking bread, we saw that earlier too, the third one. They committed themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, we refer to the breaking of bread as when we have communion. We share that. And that is one part of it. That's one piece of it. But this isn't talking about just that. It's not just that meal where we say, you know, this is my body is broken for you. This is my blood has been shed for you. And we take that together and reminded of Jesus. It's not just that. He said, you know what? They were also sharing meals together. Just inviting people over or going out somewhere to have a meal together. Because in that was also a sharing of the life that God had given to us. And that was also, you know, when we, when we gather around a meal, we're sharing our lives. We're usually sharing conversation. We may be sharing the food that we have with others. Have you ever thought about the spirituality of simply taking a meal with someone else who knows Jesus? And have you ever held it up to that same level that you would say that it, it, it's just as spiritual as when we gather around the table to take communion together as a church. Have you ever thought about it that way? Because that's what Acts is saying. They committed themselves to not just gathering in the church to take communion, but to gathering around tables so that they would be sharing not just the life here, but they would be sharing the life together in their homes. And then it says, and they committed themselves to prayer. And they prayed. They gave themselves to that conversation of speaking and listening to God. And it says that day by day, the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved, those who were being restored and recovered, and, and, and those who were being just brought out and healed from this twisted, this broken, this corrupted world generation. Why? Because they had been brought in and then they bought in to what God was doing. How can you tell that someone has been brought in? Because they begin to buy into all that God is about. They buy into his heart and his ways. They commit themselves to the things that believers and followers of Jesus have been committing themselves to in order that God might break into this broken world. Break in with the kingdom of heaven. Break in with the compassion of Jesus Christ. Break in with a, a, a way of going at life that's so different. So the question is, where are we? Have we been brought in? Have we been brought close to Jesus through a relationship? Have we bought in? Are we showing that our heart has been changed and that we're all in on this thing that God has called us to, to do and to be, being the church? You know, one thing here, if you haven't been brought in to begin with, you're never going to be able to buy in. You're never going to be able to be bought in. 
First uh, John 4.9, it says, you know, we only love, 4.19, it says, we only love because he first loved us. So if we haven't been overwhelmed by that love of God, if we haven't been overwhelmed by that, just understanding the story and the person of Jesus Christ, if we haven't been overwhelmed by that, that encounter with him, if we haven't, if we haven't been brought in, then, then we, we're, not going, we're not going to love God. We're going to hold him at arm's distance until he tears down our defenses by showing us how far he was willing to go in order to love us. It says, we love because he first loved us. That's where the love comes from. And the second thing about that is we can't love others with God's love unless we've first been overwhelmed by God's love in our own lives. Until we have been brought in, we cannot be bought in. But if we have, he also says, the only, the only real response of our heart of someone who has been overwhelmed by God's love is that we would turn and love others. That we would turn and start doing these very things that the early church did. So, so be thinking about it. God says the only, the only real heart response that we, not just that we will have, not should have, because should have is about you know, expectations. It's about religion. It's about legalism. You should be doing this, right? That's going to kill you. It's not about we ought to have, right? Because ought to, I mean, that's guilt. That's condemnation. That's, that's, gonna, that's just going to kill you as well. That's going to tie you up so you can't. But the, if you have been overwhelmed by God's love and you've just let that love loose in your life, you're going to find that your heart is compelled to. You will have this response of, I need to buy in. I need to, I need to not need to. I just, I just have this compulsion to live that same love that I've experienced from Christ. And we'll find these same things. We will find that we start anchoring ourselves into the story of Jesus. Why? Because that's where we find our life. And I've talked to you guys over and over, you know, the last several weeks about, man, dig into God's word. This is, this is where we find our life. The disciples one time, Jesus said, are you going to leave me now too? And he said, where will we go? You have the words of life. We anchor into the story of Jesus. Second, we start jumping in with both feet into this thing called fellowship, the sacrificial giving. We stop seeing our stuff as our stuff. We start seeing that stuff that God blessed us with as we gathered around Jesus that now we can use for his mission, for the sake of others, to help others to get in a better place or to get closer to Jesus. We start giving ourselves to this thing that seems simple, but this deeply spiritual thing of just gathering around something as simple as a meal. You guys, today is one of those days that's real easy to invite people to gather around a meal at your home or at a sports bar or at somewhere, just around a meal. I mean, just buy them a meal or just join together for a meal. Share life together as the people of God. And we say, why wouldn't we be doing this? We, we would love it if Jesus was here, if he would invite us out to lunch, Right? Why wouldn't we invite each other out? 
And fourth, we immerse ourselves in this conversation with God called prayer. We listen and we talk daily. This is just a daily thing we immerse ourselves in. God says that he brought us in. Right? As diverse as we are, crazy diverse and different as we are from each other, God has brought us around Jesus. He said he did this and our response, he did this to transform our hearts so that we then would be those who have bought in bought in to this idea that we're to be this compassionate Christian community. That the things that we share are the things that we find in his heart. The things that we share that we have in common are things that we find on his mind. And that there's this unity and this compassion that goes out because we have fully bought in. We're those who are brought in. We're those who are bought in. Can we do that? Can we be that church? I hope so. I, I, I know we can. I mean, that's, God says he gives us everything we need to be the church he's called us to be. And that's who he's called us to be.